Check, 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 check. So I'm swabbing my nose and I'm swabbing my nose and I'm dipping my swab in the liquid. Yeah, I'm swabbing my nose and I'm swabbing my nose and I'm dipping my swab in that liquid. And then you wait and you wait and you wait. Is there a line? Do you see a little line? I guess it's kind of a line. It's very faint, but yeah, it's there. And then the next day I'm swabbing my nose and I'm swabbing my nose and I'm dipping my swab in the liquid and I wait. And is that kind of a line? It's a line again, so I still have COVID 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 days. Yup. That'll keep you out of society. That'll keep you isolated. That'll give you some good old-fashioned cozy time with the family. We're not allowed to go to the grocery store. We're not allowed to play with friends. We're not allowed to go to school. We're not allowed to go to our jobs. We're not allowed to go see Nana. You can't infect Nana. You can't even walk too close to neighbors. You just stay inside. And the most exciting thing you're going to do all day is swab your nose and then you swab your nose and then you finally put the swab in the liquid and then you dip the test in the liquid and you wait and you wait and it finally happened. Okay, folks, I'm negative. I'm negative. I don't have COVID anymore, so I'm not complaining anymore. If anything, I'm celebrating my newfound immunity. I'm a stronger man than the last time I did a podcast. Can't you hear it? Don't I sound strong right now? Sound like I could lift a vehicle off an old woman. Some superhero shit. I was the first to go negative. Then my four-year-old daughter tested negative. Then my wife tested negative. Then the 10-month-old baby tested negative. And now the Rosenbergs are back. Okay, we're back in society. Okay, watch the fuck out. We're coming at you. Full throttle. We're ready to socialize. We have a newfound appreciation for parks and our jobs. And our schools and our teachers and our friends, we're back, everybody. We're back. You know the feeling. You know the feeling. That's the positive of COVID. You get ripped away from your rhythm, and then you yearn for your routine, and then when you get it back, you appreciate it. You appreciate the little things again. The little things are back. And while you're in it, holy shit, was I texting a lot. Just texting a lot of people, all the updates. Texting family members, texting friends, all the updates just bringing them into my journey. A lot of nice friends. Hey, how's it going? How are you? Checking in. Checking in. And I never just go, doing fine, thanks. I give them the full paragraph. Oh, yeah. I give the full update. But the truth is you just succumb to it. At one point, you stop whining. You just blissfully succumb to it. Why? Because, well, that's life. Tell them, Frank. That's life. That's That's what all the people say You're riding high in April Shot down in May Well, 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 well I hope I'm uh, not riding high in April Shot down in May Because, Frank, it's now May Can I ride high in May? I got shot down in April So just got to reverse those lyrics real quick But that's life That's life Just had some Frank Sinatra on loop I'm not wallowing in my misery. You just succumb to it. There's something nice about that. When you realize, wait, people don't miss us. You put such pressure on yourself to bounce back. Oh, I'm needed in the classroom. I'm needed here. These people need me. No, they don't. That's self-importance. Nonsense. It's okay. It's okay to go down in the depths of isolation for about eight, ten days. It's okay. 
That's life. Didn't Frank teach us anything? That's life. It's a simple lyric, but it's really all you need every single day. Every single day. That should be your alarm. Every morning. Let them know, Frank. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June. I said that's life. That's life. You heard the man. That's life. That's life. What was your latest setback? Answer me out loud right now. Wherever you're listening to this, what was your latest setback? What was that last moment where you're like, fuck, God, why me? You looked at the heavens, why me? That's when you need Frank. That's life. What'd you expect? Smooth sailing, pal? Actually, they say, even after you test negative and you battle back into society, there are some symptoms that remain. A little fatigue, you get a little winded quickly, you get drained, maybe the congestion remains a little bit, your sense of taste doesn't come back immediately, mine's coming back, I'd say 80-85%, I could taste my bananas, I could taste my bananas again, oh boy, I was worried. Two straight weeks of a banana not tasting like a banana, just mush, just mush? But I got my buds back for my bananas, oh boy. No, I can taste. I can taste enough. Actually, I had a little bourbon without taste buds. That was a weird experience. Because you get a little of the sizzle, but no taste. You can't really decipher the strength. Gets a little dangerous. Could have been expired apple juice, really. But the one thing I've heard is you get a little brain fog for maybe a month or two afterwards. A little brain fog? Let's not downplay that. Brain fog? I already live in the fog. And you're giving me some exacerbated COVID brain fog? Oh yeah, I feel it. I mean, I over-caffeinate, so I'm able to stay very focused as I teach. But it's the little interim parts of socializing where I struggle. I struggle. I'm head down in the halls. Just get me to where I need to go. Get me to the bathroom. Get me to my car. Get the job done. For a couple weeks, the fog is going to be thick. And my socializing skills are weak right now. Saw a coworker today in the halls. She came right up to me. Hey, look who's back. How are you? And I said, doing better. Yeah, we're all doing better. Yeah, we all tested negative. So it's nice to be back. And I thought we were just Keep going our own ways. You can go your own way. Nope. She had some things to tell me. Yeah, so a lot of my classes right now, the kids are... Come on, let's not do this. And then in my other class, you get a lot of... And then when it was my turn to talk, I just said, Oh, right on. That's all I had for her. I mean, she had big updates for me. So three days ago, I start the day and one of my students is just like, shut 
the fuck up. And that's in my head. But out of my mouth, I'm just nodding. I'm saying, come on, give her alert eyes. You know, you have that inner conversation. Look like a human. Look alert. Give her sincere, understanding eyes. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And when it's your turn to talk, say something dismissive, but still sweet and kind. Like, oh, right on. Yeah. (laughs) You know what happens, but it's almost Friday. I said that on a Monday. Well, it's almost right. No, it's not. I need a calendar. It wasn't almost Friday. You can't just wiggle out of every conversation with, (laughs) it's almost Friday. And boy, howdy, do we need it? Do we need it? Do we need it? At least I give the feigned attentiveness. At least I can give it. At least I can fake it. Some people don't even fake it. You ever talk to somebody? who's on their cell phone, but they're still trying to stay in the conversation with you. Like you're fully present talking to somebody and you could tell you're not as exciting as whatever they're looking at on their phone, but they're trying, they're trying to act like they're multitasking with the conversation with you. You say something like, yeah, my grandma in Florida, she finally got out of the hospital. So we're all pretty happy about that. And the person just scrolling through their phones like, oh yeah, is that right? Florida? Is that your grandma you're saying is out in Florida? Yeah, yeah. I was just saying she's out of the hospital now. We had quite a little scare. She had a stroke, um, but she's fine now. And her helpers are going to really get her back on her feet. And the person on their phone's like, so Florida, that must be crazy, right? You're like, what? Are you listening to me? We can't compete with cell phones. Cell phones are way more exciting than our bullshit. I've been on the other end of interacting with someone who's on their phone so many times that I almost enjoy the dismissive bullshit that comes out of their mouth. Clearly, they're more invested in their phone, but still attempting to stay with the conversation a little bit. These people can't multitask. Do they think they're fooling us? I say something like, yeah, we all had COVID-19, but luckily we all tested negative. Is that right? 19, huh? Just scrolling head down. Really? All four? Man, that's rough. That's rough, huh? So what'd you say? You guys all had it or you have it? Did you? So you had it or you have it? I'm like, shut the... You don't give a shit. Go back to your tweets. Go back to your tweets. Some people think if they just say a few key words, it makes it seem like they're listening. You tell someone anything. Yeah, I got a new car. Got a wonderful Toyota Highlander. Handles beautifully. Got a good deal. I'm enjoying it. Cars, huh? Toyota. Get those wheels. Yeah. Your grandma. Florida. COVID, huh? Toyota in Florida. Grandma COVID, right? No. No, you're not doing a good job of staying with this conversation, are you? Sure am. No, you're not. What are you scrolling through? What are you scrolling through? I'm now very interested. I even asked the students when they're clearly not listening to me. What are you What are you doing? Are you texting? Are you posting a selfie? What are you doing? I give the meltdown speech eh, once a month. It's not even a guilt trip. I give the meltdown speech like, folks, if the school issued a Google Chromebook to you and you already have a mini computer in your hand, 
I must be a really distant voice. I mean, you're playing Tetris. You're receiving texts. You're reading people's Instagram posts. And then in the distance, do you just hear a teacher saying, And then the Berlin Wall was built. And then the Berlin Wall came down. It must be so distant. The teacher's voice must sound so distant to some of these students. That can't multitask, but they have all the electronics shoved in their face. And I told them straight up, I was like, you got to be self-sufficient. I'm not playing whack-a-mole. I can't guide you all to the promised land. You got to take it upon yourself to say, I want to learn today. You want to learn? I'm here. Tune into the frequency. The radio station is going to be on. I'm going to teach this period. I'm going to try to make it interesting, stimulating, interactive. You, you got to battle through a few obstacles to get to the lesson plan. Even though you're in your desk right now, some of you are just so detached and distant and I feel bad for them. I no longer really get mad at them. You can't. You got to try to understand this generation. You don't get mad. Like I've said before, you almost get a little sad that we've thrown this amount of electronic devices into your world and then we still play the game of teachers in front of the room. Holy shit, how uninteresting. Even if it's a very interesting teacher, How tough to battle through the distractions, the disruptions, constantly a little vibration in your pocket, the glow of someone else's screen. Even if you're trying to be attentive and you see a cluster of people looking at a screen, damn, damn, maybe we should put them in cages. No, it sounds awful, right? What I just said sounds awful, but what about a one week experiment? Let's throw them into cages. No devices. Just pen and paper. And at the end of the week, let's take a poll. Let's take a survey. How was the cage experience for you? Honestly, just giant kennels. Some of you think this sounds abusive. You're wrong. They would thank us. They would thank us. Put me in a cage too. I feel the same temptations. Gotta check my texts. Gotta check my texts. Got to check my calls. Did I get any calls? Did I get, got to check my email every five minutes. Who the fuck is emailing me? No one. The answer is no one. Why am I refreshing it? I don't know. That's what addiction is. Your brain is doing things on autopilot. You can't control it. And you go, I got to stop this. I got to just go on walks. Put my phone down. Detach it. Throw it away. Just throw it into the creek. Break up with your phone. I got to do it. On that COVID leave, I was probably going, no joke, five and a half hours screen time each day. That's a lot of time. And I know it probably counts for all the podcasts I listen to or the music I listen to. I guess that's considered screen time as well. But there was a major uptick in me just holding that device, my eyes getting all stingy, staring into the phone and going, stop this. Stop Googling. Does COVID make your stomach hurt for months? Stop Googling when does brain fog end after COVID. Stop texting all your friends about every little detail of your COVID experience They don't give a shit. They just have to pretend they give a shit. So COVID, huh? Your grandma, right? Florida? Toyota? Yeah, you're not listening to a word I'm saying, but thank you. Thanks for giving me 14% of your brain energy. You know, if somebody has a big personality and they're kind of steamrolling you like they just talk a lot, And they have just such distinct, concrete opinions on everything. And their convictions are so important to them that they try to spread their gospel to you. They're not just comfortable having thoughts, but they want to influence you 
with their thoughts? If someone's like that, I mean, they could be the president of the United States. It could be your dad. It could be your friend. It could be a celebrity. A lot of people are quick to just label them narcissists, right? You've heard this a bunch. Everybody likes to play psychologist. Oh, he's such a narcissist. What an ego. What an arrogant bastard. Arrogant bastard. Oh, just so full of himself. That's a narcissist. You hear that word more than ever. Everybody's quick to label someone a narcissist if they're an attention seeker, if they want to hold court, if they're just preachy. These shitty listeners, they're speakers, they're talkers. They talk, 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 talk. They're not interested in anybody else's story. You talk to a narcissist, as you talk to a narcissist, they can't wait to provide a personal anecdote. They can't wait to tell you what you got to do. What you got to do. Look, and here's the problem. And a narcissist can always tell you the problem. Well, it's a real personality disorder. We're talking about a real brain issue. So I think we label a lot of people narcissists when they're probably just egomaniacs full of themselves. But it's a real mental condition where people have this inflated sense of their own importance. And the definition, it says you got a deep need for excessive attention and admiration. Hey, love me. Can y'all love me? Like my tweets, please. Creates troubled relationships, a lack of empathy for others. So we condemn them, right? Society condemns narcissists, even though a lot of them can succeed in some fields and some careers that we rely on them to succeed. I bet most presidents, no, all presidents have probably been narcissists, right? If you believe uh, my views should probably be the views that lead the free world, yeah. I bet some great philosophers, some great authors, some great comedians. I mean, we've all probably loved some singers, celebrities, actors. I bet we've all loved narcissists. Maybe there's some in your family and you're actually okay with them. You're fine with them. You love them. But what about the flip side? You never condemn the opposite of a narcissist. There's two ways of viewing the opposite of a narcissist. One could be just someone with zero confidence. This is almost a plague. Think about this. To go through your life and be the opposite of narcissistic, that means every day is probably a struggle to find some confidence, some self-esteem, to say what you want to say. You just can't find the inner strength. You just can't find that strength in yourself to believe in yourself. That sounds tough. I mean, you go through life as a narcissist, that's easy. The last thing you would ever do is identify that you're a narcissist. That's the last thing. You never look in the mirror and go, God damn it, I really hate being a narcissist. No, you look in the mirror and you go, ha ha, yes, I get to be you. Oh, how wonderful. You love the mirror if you're a narcissist. On the flip side, if you have no confidence, you just live your life that way. That also must be classified as some sort of a disorder. I mean, you could say anxiety and you could say body image issues or whatever it is. Like if you really just can't stand yourself and you're like, I'm worthless, then you're going to stumble through your life without taking chances. The idea of taking chances and risks is probably such a nightmare. But I'm watching Euphoria season two and Nate Jacobs' ex-girlfriend, what's her name, Maddie, on the show? She had one line where she was talking about confidence and she said the one thing about confidence, no one knows if it's real or not. Like it's one thing you could perform every day and most people will buy it, like tomorrow. Whether you're a narcissist, not a narcissist, you could choose to just be confident in how you present yourself. Even if it's a total bullshit act, people can't detect it for the most part. Just scroll through Instagram. You can't tell who's bullshitting and who's sincerely into themselves. You're allowed to perform. 
For the people with zero confidence, and I see it all the time, they don't want to be called on. I see shy people who just want to stay in the background. Please don't call on me. Please don't look at me. Please let me just go through life without any attention. There's a lot of people like that, and that's pretty damn sad. Because those are people that probably won't have confidence to even find their skills and their talents to excel. And it exists within everybody, but there's that voice. If that voice in your head doubting yourself gets way too loud, that's a plague. That's a curse. Now, that also might not be the opposite of narcissism. The other way you could say the opposite of narcissism becomes a tough way to live is if you're an empath. That's a word, an empath. So if you're empathetic, the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes, it sounds like a good thing, right? We always say, oh, to have empathy is so important. We say that all the time. Just like we condemn narcissists, we always say, oh, if you're an empath, how wonderful. However, study it a little bit. An empath doesn't just mean having a bunch of compassion for people. In many ways, they don't have normal filters that other people do. They take in everything sensitive to the point where they're constantly taking on other people's feelings. If you're an empath, and maybe this is you, let me break this down for you. You take in a lot of what's going on in every social setting or at work or just at the grocery store, at the bank, at the gas station. People, the way they act, the way they talk, it means everything to you. You're just sensitive to the tone, to the noise around you, to the smells around you, to excessive talking. It means you're easily overwhelmed. You can't handle it. If you're a narcissist, you do the overwhelming. You vacuum up all the energy in the room. If you're an empath, it means it's too much. Crowds, too much. You're just distracted. Looking at someone, oh, they look sad. Oh, they look angry. Oh, that person looks aggressive. Uh-oh. It's got to be exhausting to be this way. So yes, the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes, we always say, it's such a positive. You're so empathetic. My God. You really understand empathy, but it also means that social situations are tough. You can only handle them in short periods before you just got to be alone. It's too exhausting. I do feel that sometimes in a weird way. I can envy a narcissist. If I was a narcissist, I bet I'd still be on the radio. I bet I'd still be pursuing that career. I couldn't handle all the many things that went along with radio. The critiques, the angry meal, meal, mail. A death threat here, a death threat there. If you're a narcissist, I bet some of the greatest radio hosts are big-time narcissists. They just say, what I say into the mic, that matters. My opinion, that's the bottom line, and that's the right opinion. And I'll talk down to my listeners and talk down to my callers. I mean, really, the greatest radio hosts of all time who comes to mind, from Rush Limbaugh to Howard Stern, these are probably major narcissists. But on the flip side, if you're an empath and you're always worried, how am I being perceived? Uh Uh-oh. You lack that confidence or you're just always experiencing the feelings of everyone and it feels crazy because your mood is going to be altered by everyone's mood. Like me personally, could I have a wonderful night if my wife was pissed or if my wife was sad? No, I bet a narcissist could. Hell yes, they could. If I'm chilling with friends and one of them is just having a miserable time, I'm not having a good time. I don't have that ability. I do take on the energy of those people around me. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. It probably has some bad connotations as well. There are probably some major negatives to being an empath or being the opposite of a narcissist where you don't take enough chances. In life, I mean, that's the great quote. We only get one 
My buddy Josh Friday, that's his philosophy. We all die. What are you doing? What are you worried about? We all die. He says we all die. And I never really understood that. I go, how dismissive are you? Like if I'm complaining about something, he just goes, look, we all die. What are you wasting your time with these little thoughts and little worries and doubting yourself here and woe is me there? It's kind of the most motivating thought you could have. We all die. You really want to do nothing with this gift of life? You really want to question yourself? And bury yourself in your worries and concerns. Oh, I don't know. I really shouldn't. Yeah, you should. Kick in the door. Let people know. Even if it's a performance, like Nate Jacobs' girlfriend says on Euphoria Season 2, even if it's all a bunch of bullshit on the inside, most people can't detect it. Most people can't detect it. You can perform every day and act like you're confident. I know people like this. I grew up with people like this. Where deep down, I know that they lack self-esteem but they present themselves on Instagram or in social settings. It's a total act, but they present themselves like a true know-it-all. Even they probably know it's a bunch of bullshit deep down, but they could probably advance in life. You could probably impress a lot of people. You could probably even find a mate, get married. And then 10 years down the line, your mate will go, wait, who the hell are you? Who did I marry? What am I talking about? Is this a brain fog rant? Maybe. Maybe. You want to know who's confident? I'll tell you who's confident. Last night was bath night in the Rosenberg house. Okay? Giving a bath to a four-year-old, giving a bath to the 10-month-old. Lots of bubbles, lots of suds. Lots of screams, lots of squeals, lots of singing, lots of towels. It's a big ordeal. Okay? Bath time is buckle up in the Rosenberg house. And then I hear a knock on the fucking door. During bath time, I pop up real quick. Shirt soaked. Grab the 10-month-old, put her in a towel. Look through the people. It was two women in their 20s. In big, long, flowing dresses, floral print, if you need to know. And they looked kind. They looked kind. I kind of had an idea what I was getting into. And I opened the door. I said, hi, hi. And one of the women, one of the girls looked at me and she says, do you have a moment to hear a message of hope? And I just looked at her. I didn't even mean to be rude. And I said, I don't. I'm so sorry. I don't. And she said, do you know anyone in the neighborhood who might be in need of a message of hope? And I was like, I don't. I'm so sorry. I don't. And I'm realizing, you know, this is either Jehovah's Witness, Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, Mormons, Christians. They don't see the mezuzah. And I don't just come out and say, but I'm a Jewish man. And they were very sweet. They saw me with a baby and they said, okay, well, thank you. I was wondering, hmm, could I have handled that better? Part of me was kind of curious. What's the spiel? What's the message of hope that I declined? But the confidence is just walking up a stranger's driveway. Whoa, that's terrifying. I mean, outside of Halloween, walking up a stranger's driveway, you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, they're preaching something, all right? They're feeding religion all around the neighborhood, door to door. How many doors just slam in their face or people don't answer? And what kind of an existence is that? You gotta have some serious confidence to act like whoever answers the door, I'm gonna deliver a message of hope from our Lord and Savior. I once did canvassing when my friend Josh Friday, who I already mentioned, everyone dies, we all die. That's his philosophy, but he was running for city council. He became the mayor of Novato and I canvassed with him. 
Canvassing means you truly go door to door and say, hey, here's what I could bring to your town. Vote for me. Vote for me. Here's a pin. Here's a bumper sticker. Here's a sign to put on your lawn. Vote for me. Vote for me. I found the whole experience to be terrifying. And this is just what politicians do. Door to door. They knock on your door. Hey, here's what I'll do for your neighborhood. Here's what I'll do for society. Here's what I'll do for your town. I mean, is that fake confidence? Is that narcissism? Is it an egomaniac? I don't know. I mean, Josh isn't. At least I don't think so. No, he's not. Come on now. But to go door to door with a message? I don't have the balls for that. I don't think I could ever do that again. I mean, even if I truly believed in something, I I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, I think that should all play out on Nextdoor or Facebook. Door to door is still happening? God, these people that come door to door, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the balls, right? That's impressive. I'm not going to rip them. I'm not going to insult them. No, no, no. If you thought that's where I'm going with this brain fog rant. Uh-uh. My question is, when they go up every driveway and they walk up and knock on the door, are they expecting the breakthrough with each home, with each house? Are they expecting the frantic dad with the wet shirt and the 10-month-old baby in his arms during bath time to go, huh, well, I guess I never looked at it that way. I will adopt him as my Lord and Savior. Do you have any literature? Do you have any pamphlets? Yes, drop those off. And where do we meet? Where does this club meet? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, and what do we wear? I see. I'm in. That would freak them out. The girls going door to door. They'd be like, uh, I don't know. Fuck, we're not used to this part of it. We're used to the door slamming in our face. We weren't ready for you to join this group, cult, religion, whatever we're selling. I actually don't know. I don't know. I didn't even get that far with them. But I bet I would have scared the shit out of them if I bought in immediately. I was like, huh. Well, you know something? Uh, I was in need of a message of hope tonight, and you delivered. God damn it, you delivered. You delivered unlike anyone I've ever met. I made it this long in my life, and I've never been so influenced by anyone. I love what you said tonight. And Jesus, I'm in. Where do I sign? Sir, you don't sign anywhere. What do I do? We don't know. We never made it this far with anyone. Okay, well, are we related now? No, actually, sir, we believe we should go. You're scaring the shit out of us. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you for that message of hope. Pure hope. Frank, what would you say to those girls, huh? But I don't let it, let it get me down. Cause this fine old world, it keeps spinning around. I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet, a pawn, and a king. Did Frank just say he's been a puppet, a pauper, a poet, and a pirate? Frank, don't bullshit me. You old drunk narcissist. I've been a poet, a piper, a puppet, a prince. I've even been a... Porn star. Really, Frank? I've been a pigeon, a parrot, a penguin, a pug. Hey, Frank, I'll be honest. That's a bunch of bullshit. You know, Frank Sinatra could not exist today in the TMZ generation. I mean, he was truly blacked out. Just martini after martini. Womanizer, an adulterer. I mean, we celebrated his mug shots. The guy would get arrested. It becomes a poster, pop culture poster for dorm rooms. We don't treat celebrities like that anymore tear celebrities down to the ground you get canceled 
Frank would have been canceled three to four seconds into his career. But for some reason, nostalgia becomes charming, doesn't it? He was Frank in the right ear, the biggest name in music, the greatest singer of his generation, one of the greatest of all time. Thank God Frank lived in that era. Frank Sinatra in 2022, just TMZ every day. Frank drove his Cadillac into a restaurant this evening. MTV News, Kurt Loder, reporting on Frank. An ugly scene tonight as Frank Sinatra fell down a flight of stairs and into a woman's bosoms, a woman he didn't even know. But you hear that story from 1958 and you go, ah, Frank fell down a flight of stairs into a woman's bosom. You hear a celebrity today, though, falls down a flight of stairs into a woman's bosoms? Oh, shit. You're canceled. You're canceled. Honestly. I've said it for years. You can't fall down a flight of stairs into a woman's bosom. That was the whole platform I ran on when I was trying to be the mayor of Novato, going door to door. I believe that we shouldn't be drinking to the point of falling down stairs into a woman's bosom's door slamming in my face. Sir, you need to leave. Here's a lawn sign and a pin. Vote for me. A vote for me is a vote against stairs and bosoms. Vote for me, a vote for me, a vote for me is a vote against theirs and bosoms. Oh boy, I can taste my banana again. You know, all those classic bullshit Disney movies are terrible. Can we all admit that? They make good posters and toys and dolls. They do. Like my little daughter, she loved the idea of Snow White before she saw Snow White. She loved the idea of Aurora and Cinderella, Cinderella, the fairy godmother. Love the idea, love the dolls. She loved the photos in the books. Ariel, the little mermaid. Love the idea of Jasmine. But we've slowly, Tiana, Merida, we've slowly started to show her these Disney princess movies. They're all fucking terrible. I mean, they're really terrible. And my daughter agrees. I mean, she doesn't use the term terrible but she loses her interest and then we find something just scrolling randomly through netflix kids we find a movie with a purple alien voiced by jim parsons dreamworks it's called home it's better than all of these it's better than bambi it's better than all the disney class they tell us it's disney classics it's just a classic bambi bambi's so boring compared to this new dreamsworks stuff pixar stuff What was Bambi the only option for 20 years for a little kid? Little kids loved Bambi. No, they didn't. They just didn't have Netflix kids. Home was amazing. I actually watched it. And I don't love kids shows or kids movies, obviously. Some people do. Some adults actually do. I don't. But I got into it. This is our COVID leave. Of course, I'm going to be on the couch watching a movie called Home with the incomparable Jim Parsons. Also, Steve Martin is voicing one of the characters. Have you seen this? It's really good. The soundtrack was good, too. I'll give you a little taste of that soundtrack. Rihanna, J-Lo. My daughter was able to watch the whole movie. Beginning credits to the end credits. And then the next day, she's like, let's watch it again. Let's watch it again. I'm like, you know what? Yes. Why would I force feed you Snow White and Bambi when we have Home? Home, the little red, no, purple alien. I mean, listen to these songs. Listen to this powerful soundtrack, folks. This summer, from the people that brought you 
Toy Story. One purple alien must find hope in a world that offers very little. Let's keep going. This winter, forget everything you know about the classics and embrace that purple alien. From the people that brought you Debbie Does Dallas, a classic porno. It's home. Actually, it's not even a classic porno. This summer, from the people that brought you Cars and The Incredibles, it's home. This winter, Rihanna's just going to start singing immediately, so I can't do the big plug. This summer solstice, imagine yourself in a world unconquered by beauty. Oh yeah, this is the song. This is the dance party shit right here. This spring, embark upon a new jammy jam 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 with a purple alien who's more interesting than all the Disney princesses. Come on. This summer. Fuck off. Whoa. That's not even a plug for a movie. This summer, go ahead and fuck yourself. You'll watch it anyways, no matter what I say right now in the voiceover. Hmm, what is this? Hopefully it gets better. Oh, that sounds like alien shit. That's alien shit. This, uh, nope, and finally. Oh yeah, I think we're gonna end this way. This is J-Lo. Jennifer Lopez, if you didn't know who I mean. This is so smooth. I'm Googling it. What the hell is this movie about? Well, 52% Rotten Tomatoes? I thought it was 100. You can tell what I know about kids' movies. I guess this wasn't good. After a hive-minded alien race called Boov conquered the Earth, they relocate the planet's human population, all except for one little girl named Tip. Voiced by Rihanna, Tip has managed to hide from the aliens when Tip meets fugitive Boov O, voiced by Jim Parsons. Well, there's mutual distrust. However, O is not like his comrades, oh no. He craves friendship and fun. As their distrust fades, hold on Jayla. He craves friendship and fun. These two set out together to find Tip's mother, but Unbeknownst to them, the gong enemies of the boo are en route and coming. Give it a try. Give it a try. Why not? Alright, my friends. It's time to say goodbye. I've talked too much. I love you all. Drop a nice rating or a review on iTunes, won't you now? It'll help. How? I don't know, but that's what we say. 
That's what us podcasters say. You can pick up a t-shirt. I'll have a table up in the back of the room after the show. I have t-shirts, bumper stickers, keychains, and koozies. And for episode 183, this is Josh Rosenberg wishing you a very happy start of the month of May. That's live. A kick in the nuts in April turns into a kick in the dick in May. Whoa, whoa, that's live. <laughs>